talk about his people, his body, his church, his his assembly in a way that I think can inspire us and, and convict us, but but ultimately that we are moved by the power of the Spirit to, to walk into that calling. Amen? Amen. Okay, so today the big thing I want to talk about is having a godly vision for our life. I'm a big picture, I'm a vision guy, and of course at the beginning of the year we like to, we like to think of a lot of things we want to do with our year and our life. Uh, oftentimes, you know, it's like, for, well, for me it actually is like, okay, working out, what's my vision for working out? And I'll be honest, if I like lose, if I, if I forget the vision, the big picture behind it, it's incredibly difficult for me to stay motivated on the day-to-day basis, all right? And so when I think to myself, it's okay, I'm not working out just because I want to look chiseled and jacked. I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but I do want to work out because I want to be healthy for my family. I want to be healthy for my son. I want to be able to play with him. I want to have grandkids that I can play with. So I want to be a physically healthy person. So like, but when I forget that, like it makes it a lot harder. It's like, oh, I'm waking up. I'm going to go to the gym. Whatever. It becomes harder to like stick with that, latch onto it. And so I think it's so important that we have these visions for our life and what we want to do. You can call them goals. I think that's maybe too simplistic. I think really what I'm talking about is like a vision. And so a lot of what Paul's done in, in this first chapter is kind of, he, he's, uh, he's painted them like a big picture of how God uh, has, has laid out everything for all time. For, it, it's incredible. And then what we talked about last week is how uh, Paul prays for the church in Ephesus to be inspired by the Spirit to live out that big picture plan. Like he prays for them to understand the thing that he just told them. Which I think is significant because he's praying for Christians, people that have been probably doing this for a while. It's like I'm praying for you to understand even the most basic things because we will constantly drift from it. Okay? And so at the very end of of that prayer, he he mentions something that I think is beautiful about the the design and the the role that the, the body, the church plays in the world. Okay? So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. And he put all things under his feet, talking about Jesus, and gave him as, as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Mm-hmm. So in, in, these, in this like little sentence here, like we just get delivered so much on what, the, what it is to be the church. Now, so I'm just going to start with that word, church. Because we, you know, we, we think, I think there's some images that come up in our mind when we think of the word church. I didn't grow up going to church. I didn't grow up a churchy person. I grew up a, a, a no-faith atheist kind of person that didn't like people in church or churches. And so you, when I heard the word church, I think of like this, you know, stained glass building. And to be honest, kind of like uh, angry people, all right? That's just what I thought of when I thought of church. And it's, I don't know what comes to your mind. But what that word is coming from, biblically... Is it's like not a profound word. It's a general word used in the Greek language for a group of people. Like that's what it is. That's the word. That's ekklesia. It just literally means a gathering or an assembly. But I do think that's important for us because, you know, okay, this is maybe a, 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 a cliche thing to talk about. But like we do, this is important because at the end of the day, like this, we call this today here on Sunday, we call it church and we call it going to church. But you really don't like go to church, biblically, because the word is assembly. You don't go to church. As you come together, you are the church, right? And so it's not like, okay, church is uh, on campus. Well, like it is, but this room isn't church, right? But the people in it is church. It is the assembly. And biblically, it's the assembly that are coming together for the purpose of God and to worship God and to move into, you know, well, what it says next, to fill everything in every way. 
So I think that's profound. That's incredible. So that together, the people, we are the assembly coming together. We are the gathering of people wanting to follow, praise, worship, and, and, and spread God. Then what we are to do then is take him and fill everything in every way. That's just an incredible idea. And so this is how Paul ends off that prayer. Getting them thinking about the big picture. So I am going to skip, and we're going to go to chapter 2 today. I'm going to skip down to kind of the bottom of this first paragraph here. Because again, I'm just trying to focus on specific things. So follow me down to chapter 2, uh, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. So I started with verse 8, like very intentionally, that for by grace we have been saved through faith. Paul like, keeps working in these ideas that he's been talking about since the first paragraph of chapter 1. He's like, we are reconciled to God, forgiven uh, by Jesus, forgiven by his blood on the cross. Like, you've been saved and brought, to, uh, reconciled, brought together in a relationship with God. And, and, and so Paul's like, it's by grace that this has happened. And I think this is significant because this idea we talk about all the time. But when you understand that big picture, when you understand the grace that has been given to you, it, it's so that you cannot boast and what you're doing in your life, or what God, like it's God that we boast in, the grace He's given to us that we boast in. When we get that, and we understand that, and, and in, in Second Corinthians language, we are controlled and compelled by that grace. That does something to us. Like that changes us. That transforms us. That makes you a different person. And that's an incredible thing. And it's this dip, this transformation, this vision, this whole new life that God is trying to give us. That, that Paul's like, well, it's very, you know, it's really interesting what God's done here. He's changed us. He's saved us by His grace through faith so that you cannot boast because we are His workmanship. Now, this is, this is to me, an incredible idea. It reorients the way I view my life. So, okay, well, who am I? What is Daniel? What do I do? What am I about? This reorients it and puts it in a position, well, I'm, I'm God's. Like, God is work changing, doing... He, I am God's workmanship. Like, I am God's work. He's trying to work in my life, do something in my life. And so then it gets me thinking about, well, what does God want my life, in my life? What can God do in my life? What, what can I do by God, in my life, for God, by God, right? So it just totally reorients the way I think about it. And, and this workmanship has been created in Christ Jesus. In that grace and in that forgiveness and in that reconciliation and that relationship to him, we are created. That's like where this workmanship is created. It's incredible. Mm. So that we can do good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay, right here. This tells me is that God has prepared something for you in your life to do. I can't tell you the power. That, well, I don't know. Maybe that's the right word. Maybe it's not. But well, I'll use it. The power I've felt in my life just by people having a vision for it. <coughs> It's just incredible. I thought this was something Kelly did in my life so well. I don't know if you, if you, you know, experienced that with him, but the way Kelly would communicate something to me, he just believed I could do it. Mm. Even when I really felt like I couldn't do it. He was just like, yeah, you can do it. 
and, and there's like there's like an, an inspiration, there's an energy that comes from that. There's like a it's like man that somebody believes in you just to, to, in that kind of way is incredible. And what this is saying here is that God believes in you so much is that He's pre prepared things in your life for you to do. But again, like you reorient it to him. It's not because like you're some amazing person. Like he believes in you because of the grace he has given you and the way he's going to transform you and the way Paul wants to pray for the spirit to work in our life like that. It's that power working. God believes in that power. And that he's doing something specific in your life. He prepared something specific for you to do. This is where I think it's just that God wants us to have a vision for our life. I think this is incredible. And not only that he wants us to have a vision for our life, he has a vision for our life. So much that he has prepared things for us to do in this life. God believes in you to work in this world. It's incredible. Because if I'm being honest with you, I don't feel like I'm, I'm worth being used by God. Right? I feel like I'm the last person God should be using to do something. Preach it. I feel like I think, and, and Paul got this idea. He's like, I am the foremost of sinners. Wants to use me to do So this idea is incredible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I hope it, inspi it inspires me. I hope it inspires you to just be like, okay, well, mm -hmm. yeah, we don't really deserve to be used by God. But that's what makes him wanting to use us and forgiving us so incredibly powerful. Mm -hmm. He's like, I know, that's why I sent my son to die for you. <laughs> you can do it. So I think a question that we can ask ourselves, simple, what good works has God prepared for you? This is huge. And I think when it comes to the church and how we fill everything in every way with Jesus, I think you can think about this on the general sense. What does the church do? I think you can also think about it on the specific sense of, of what is what, what do I do within the gathering of God's people? So I'll break it down like those two different ways. So I want to start off with the general. What is a church do we do when we walk in? So uh, we walk into the world feeling everything in every way. So go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to pull out this idea on, on a general, we're going to work from general to specific. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I, I'm going to start way back in this, and we're going to work our way through it, and we're, we're going to get to our point. So we're going to start back in, in, in verse uh, 14, 2 Corinthians 5.14. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. I think I'm starting to find the verses that I'm probably going to preach about. You guys are getting tired of them. I think this is probably one of those verses. I'm going to talk about it all the time. Because this idea that the love of Christ controls me is incredible. It's a lot of what I was just speaking about a minute ago, so I won't spend a lot of time here. Your translation might say compelled. That's fine, too. But really, the language going on here is that like, when the love, when you get that love that Christ has for you, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, and, and that we don't deserve that. We can be broken underneath the weight of that. We feel like we're not worth God or worth being used. It's like, well, yes, all that's true, but that's what makes the power of him loving you anyway so amazing. And, and when you like, and you sit under that, like that grabs you, right? That That's 
I think the word control here is incredible because it literally grabs you and does things in your life and moves you. You become a different person. You want to do different things. And it, like it controls you so that we live for him and, and not for us. So when you're really compelled by the gospel, you will be compelled to do things that are not for you but for God. I think that's significant. Verse 16. From now on then, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and here it is, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So, so this is where Paul, it, it, to, to, it, to the church in Corinth, drops this, this line on them. He's saying, look, here, here's the way God is changing our life and changing you. And not only has Christ reconciled us to him, those who are in Christ and have been reconciled, not only has he reconciled us to him, he's given us, those who have been reconciled, the ministry of that reconciliation. And that big word, reconciliation, I mean, really, it's everything that I've just been talking about like the past 10 minutes. It's the way, it's the gospel. It's the way God has loved us, despite us, and pulled us into him, into that relationship. That's that reconciliation. That though we were once sinners, and this dividing wall of hostility separated us and God, God with Christ crashed through that wall and dragged us into a relationship with him. It's that reconciliation, all right? So not only has God done that for us, he has given us the ministry of doing that for others. And so I think this is really important because, again, this, this concept of giving us the ministry, we can tend to think in these really kind of, uh, I think, not so biblical ways that, like, there is um, the full-time minister, and he is the one that does ministry. Right. Biblically, not what's going on here. It's the same thing that happens when we think, well, there's the saints up there. And then I'm down here. Biblically, that's not what's going It's the same thing that happens. So we can like do this thing where we separate, well, well that's for those people, the serious people. Like that's like super Christians do that. Well, that's, that, doesn't really, that distinction doesn't exist biblically. That we are all given now this ministry of reconciliation. We all are now given the ministry to, to, to view people uh, no longer in, in regards to the flesh, but in a spiritual nature. That we view people in a way that's like, man, that's somebody that can be reconciled yes. with God. That's an incredible idea. And that, and that other people can feel the way we felt when we are compelled by that grace, controlled by that love, when we are transformed by that relationship with Him, that we can help other people experience. That's an incredible idea. Mm -hmm. And, but the problem is, when we forget, when we lose sight of the big picture, mm -hmm. the vision that God has for our life, the vision that he has for all creation to be reconciled to him, like we talked about at the beginning of chapter 1, God has a vision for all creation to be reconciled to him. Mm -hmm. God has a vision for our life to play an active role in that reconciliation. And that amazing, big picture, beautiful plan we talked about for like two weeks that he wants us to actively play a role in that plan. That's really cool. When we forget the big picture, it makes the day-to-day, -day, the ministry of reconciliation, it makes it really kind of hard to do. Because we forget why we're doing what we do. Well, this is me anyway. Maybe, I think some, maybe some of the people are oriented a different way, but I think when I forget the big picture, it makes it hard to do. So I think, one, just to be blown away that God has invited you into ministry is an incredible thought. Despite the insecurities you feel, 
despite, yes, the sin in your life and the brokenness you experience in your life, God's like, no, let's, let's go. I forgive you. I love you. Jesus has died for you. Walk along with me. Let's go. I love you. It's okay. Invite us along in this ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So that God has this plan for all creation and all things to be reconciled to himself. And now Paul's saying it's like, well, we are, those who have been reconciled to Christ, we are, the, we are like ambassadors for God in this way. Mm-hmm. That God is going to do this. He's going to reconcile all things to him, but he's chosen us to be the ambassador that he makes his appeal through. So this is a very like tangible, like down to, like on the ground way to view this idea. It's like, okay, reconciling all creation to himself. That's a really big idea. Well, yeah, it is. But what it looks like on a day-to-day basis is that we have a message of reconciliation. He's entrusted us to uh, bring people into that. That when somebody encounters you, there's not, again, just paint this vision. God has this vision for you and your life and has prepared good works for you to do. And we'll get into specifics prepared good works for you to do, that when somebody inter- interacts with you, that person has a chance to interact with God. Amen. That's crazy. Yes, it is. But that God makes his appeal through us broken, unworthy, unwhole people. God wants to make his appeal through us. God believes in you as a vision for your life. I think this is also important because there can be this idea. It's like, well, you know, I'm not going to care what people think of me. It's like, okay, well, there's a dimension to that which is good. Like, that's a that's like a cultural thing. Well, I'm going to do me. People if you don't judge me. I'm going to do with me and what I want. I don't care what people think of me. Like, there's a dimension to that which is good because Paul in, Galat- in, in the letter to the church in Galatia, he was like, well, yeah, I'm not going to try to please people. I'm going to try to please God. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's a dimension to that which is good, yeah. but there's a dimension to that where it's really, really bad. Because also, it's like, yes, that, but also we're ambassadors for God. So we should care what people think about us, right? We should care if we're representing God. We should care that we've been given this, this uh, a belief uh, by God that people, that God can appeal to people through us. So we should, in, in a way, it's like, it's like yeah, we kind of actually should care the impact we have on people. We should care if people see us. It, it, but... It, but I don't know. We, we can tease that idea out some more. So, but, but at the same time, we do that not being people pleasers. So, so it's like we don't approach that with it's like, well, I'm just, you know, I'm going to care so much about what people think of me. It's like, well, you care about what people think of you in so far as you you know you rep- being an ambassador for Christ, but not in so far as pleasing people. So I don't know. That's like that could be a whole thing to get into. But I think that's significant. Um, verse twenty one. Let's finish it off. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And, and Paul talks about this idea a few more times in, in, in Corinthians, but basically when he sees somebody who's reconciled to God, and he looks at you in your life, your sinful life, my sinful life, he, he doesn't, he sees Jesus' bloody body on the cross. He sees somebody forgiven, paid for, right? 
in him. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So we have this ministry of reconciliation. God, God is making his appeal through us to other people. And, and that appeal that he's trying to make to, to, trying to, make to people, he, that appeal is right there in verse 21, is that for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. That's the appeal we're trying to make to people so that you might become the righteousness of God. Mm. Jesus has died for you. Mm. So it's the appeal we try to make. So there's this general sense that God giveth the ministry of reconciliation to administer reconciliation to the world, to people of God. Incredible idea. Let's zoom in on this idea. We're going to jump back over to Ephesians, but to chapter 4. Come on, Daniel. So summarize when we get into this. It's important, I think, that we have a vision for our life and, and, I, and specifically what God can do with our life. There's different ways you could word that, but we have a vision for what God can do in our life that we're asking ourselves the question, okay, God has prepared good works for me to do. What are those good works, and, and how do I walk into them, and, and how do I embrace this life? And Because this is like part of what we, this is who we are as a church. We are the body of Christ that fills everything in every way. And so that's kind of speaking about it on, on, on a general level as a church. But let's zoom in a little bit, because like what about you, right? Like specifically, like what about Daniel Lauterbach? Like, what about me specifically? I j yes, I have the ministry of reconciliation. There's all of that, but like, okay, what about me specifically? So, Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, let's start off in verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on, on, ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he has also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Okay, so Paul's painting a picture. Jesus, uh, not only did he ascend after the resurrection, he's also the person that descended initially in the first place. So he's trying to like play this thing with Jesus ascends, he also descends, he's doing something there. Um, but he does this that he might fill all things. So this is significant because this ties back to that line in chapter 1 that we, we fill all things in every way. Well, part of Jesus' plan to fill all things was to give gifts to men. And, and so this, this opens up into a really interesting concept. Like, okay, the spiritual, like what spiritually, what gifts has God given me in, in my life? And so that's what I mean by specific because we all have the ministry of reconciliation. And at the same time, we all have gifts that he's given us to work into the world as we fill all things in every way. So let's keep reading this right here in verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro uh, by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, for whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow, then it builds itself up in love. We have a lot going on here. But, but 
that we've been designed to work like a body, that every individual, this is really something interesting as I, as I search this idea throughout scripture, there's, this, there's like this kind of consistent uh, um, uh, duality, I don't know the right word, basically th that we are individually members of a body. Like that's just an interesting concept to me. That idea is talked about a few times in scripture, that though we are, we are individually Saved by Jesus, we individually have this relationship with Jesus. We are individually members. So, like, we, we are an individual, but we also aren't an individual at the same time. Like, we are part of a body, and when it works together, it builds itself up in love. And so I think, again, a, a question you, you can ask yourself here is, well, what's, what do I do to build up the body in love? But Paul listed some things here. He's given uh, apostles, prophets. Uh, now, these are kind of all maybe leadership and equipping uh, gifts. And I think many of us in here have those gifts. I think many of us in here have, have gifts to be teachers and evangelists. And many of us in here have gifts to be shepherds. So, like, think about that. Like, do you have a gift for that? Because if you do, there's like a crucial role you can be playing into building the body up in love and equipping it for the work of the ministry. Like, that's pretty cool. So think about that. Do, do you fit? Like, where do you see yourself in that? That was something somebody asked me once when I, you know, they were studying the Bible with me. Uh, you know, obviously it's before I was a Christian. And, and they gave me this, they gave me this scripture. Like, Daniel, I should think, like, where do you see yourself fitting into the body in this? In this? And I didn't realize it till later, but what they were doing is they wanted me to have a vision for my life. Yeah. It's like, where do you see yourself plugging in and having an impact? That's a really good question to ask somebody. Because it's, it's amazing to instill vision in people. Like, where do you see yourself? Like, and so picture God asking you, where do you see yourself in this? Because there's, I think maybe we could see ourselves as just like a background person. We don't do a lot. You know, so we kind of, so well, that's not really a thing. No extras. That's not really, so it's like, where do you see yourself fitting into the body? What gifts has God given you to build it up in love? Well, there's a few different verses about this. And so let's go ahead and read it. Um, there's like three big passages regarding the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I, I, I am making, um, I'm making a connection here. I, I, didn't talk, I haven't talked much about this, but I'm really going to, as we dig into this book, the power of the Spirit, the role of the Holy Spirit in our life to move us and equip us and transform us and to just grab a hold of us and well basically so God Jesus what we read here is Jesus gives gifts to fill everything in every way well he does that by the spirit that, that's the yeah. thing I didn't mention earlier the spirit in your life is going to give you gifts like it's going to like move you and equip you to do things okay so gifts of the spirit there's like three big uh, passages on this let me get to them in my notes um, first let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, starting in verse 4. Now there are a varieties, there, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in answer. To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Okay, right there, I just got pause. So to each who are reconciled to God, given the gift of the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit works in your life specifically, like specifically wants to work in your life, to do something specific to you. For, here's key, the common good. Mm -hmm. So that's the question you ask yourself. So for, 
and we'll get there. So not only is what, what is my gift, like what can I, what do I bring to the table? How can I, like what has God done in my life that I have that I can do? And, and not only, but like for the common good, for the building up, not for your own specific uses or needs, or, you know, uh, gain or whatever. It's like for the common good. And that's really important because when it comes to being in the body of Christ, we have to shift our mindsets from, well, I don't know. I've done less research on this than somebody like Joey Hungerford. He's done a lot of research on this. For like the, the Western mindset is characterized by the individual. And the more ancient mindset, like here, what we've been looking at here in the Bible, was more of a communal nature. Right. right. So they more naturally thought this way than we do. So I think we have to do a little bit more work to think communally. Than, yeah. Because naturally, we're going to think individually just by product of where we are. Okay. So it's, it's important that we think about, you know, this is about the common good, the group. Uh, verse 8, for one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the, the ability to interpret those, and all these are empowered by the same Spirit. Who apportions to each one individually as he wills. There it is again. It's like individually, yes, but for the group. So yeah. there's that there's that comparison again. As he wills. So the Spirit has done this, given you something specific in your life because he wanted to. That's again a pretty cool idea. So we can start thinking, well, what has God, in what way, and what gifts do I have to serve the common good, the group? And how is God working in my life? The person that he is transforming me into by the power of his gospel, by the power of his spirit, by the profound experience of understanding that we're not worthy, but while we are still sinners, Christ died, and we view that mercy that transforms us. What is God trying to do in your life by making that person, that workmanship? He's making you into something. He's transforming you by all that. Well, well into, to which of these things is he giving you? Um, okay, there's, uh, let's do First Peter chapter 4. And uh, this is going to be in verse 10. First Peter 4, verse 10. As each has received a gift, used to serve one another. Again, these same ideas are being communicated over and over again in Scripture. We've all been given gifts by the Spirit, and we all have a call to use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, and that varied grace just means the different ways we've been gifted by the Spirit. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that everything may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. So we have speaking, we have serving it. But I think the main point I want to just get across here is that you, again, specifically you individually, been given a gift to serve. Mm. And so this is, uh, man, I remember having this quiet time when I was like a year old as a Christian. I was like, man, well, I, I have some gifts. Am I using them? So you can, you can identify maybe the way God has gifted you specifically as an individual, but then the next question is, well, are you using it? Mm. If you're not, why not? I mean, it could be simply being selfish. Like, well, it's me and my time and my thing, and I'm going to do my world and build my individual thing. It could be that. It could be insecurity. 
Like maybe, maybe you feel like you're gifted to do something, you have an ability to do it, but you're just like, ah, but not me. I'm not really could I do that? So maybe it's insecurity. I don't know, maybe it's other reasons. Maybe, maybe you just well, I don't know. This, maybe you've just forgotten that you have a gift to give. Maybe you got so distracted with other things in life that you've forgotten the way God has molded you and transformed you into somebody specifically in youth. Maybe you've just yeah. forgotten that. Yeah. And you're thinking of yourself morally in, in, in terms of the flesh and not in terms of the spirit, as Paul would say yeah. in 2 Corinthians 5. Maybe you're thinking of yourself <coughs> more as a, simply uh, an employee at a company. And, and not that that's bad. Like, we can be godly employees at a company. I'm, so I'm not trying to communicate in that way. But they, just we forget the big picture behind maybe why God has put us there. Mm-hmm. Right? We forget that he's trying to work in us. That, hey, so, I don't know. There's a lot of different reasons. Probably several that I didn't even list. That you're like, well, I'm, you know, so maybe just think about that. Like, okay, if, if I'm not using a gift, well, why? And it's okay to just, like, explore that idea and talk about it. Because I think at the end of the day, we miss out on on, on fulfilling a vision for a life that God has for us and, and wants us to have and experience the, the, the uh, amazing, uh, uh, I guess I would say fulfillment that comes along with, with walking in God's design for your life. Like I really think when you do that, you feel the most fulfilled, uh, which I think, well, that's fine, but I think ultimately the goal is, well, I want to please God. And I want to glorify God. Um... I missed one. It's Romans 12, 6 through 8. Just write it down and look through it later. Um, but, but study this out and think, well, what gift has God given me? How can I use that gift to build up the body? I would, I'd take it a step farther. How can we use that gift to act in the ministry of reconciliation? Yep. Um, man, I can think of all kinds of things. But, like, well, the uh, first one off the top of my head. Kelly got the go-to truck. That was a big part of his ministry. But the reason why he could do that is because he was gifted in the way to, to work on vehicles. Like, I couldn't buy a 40 Chevy, and, and like, I wouldn't be able to keep it running. Like, that, like I don't got that gift, right? But he used that for ministry, to serve the homeless, to bring people, Christians along with him to engage in that ministry. Like, so it's like, okay, well, what is God giving you specifically, and are you using that? And that's what I mean by applying that then, yes, to the building up of the body of believers, but also to that ministry of reconciliation. What is he giving you specifically, and are you using it? So I think this is where it just gets really fun. Just think about that. Talk about it. Ask people. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you still know. Maybe you need to ask people, hey, what gifts do you think I have? Ask a friend of yours or maybe a spouse. Like, I don't know like, what I'm good at. What, what do you see in my life? I mean, maybe that's what you got to do. But I just, again, bringing it back to the big picture, the vision, there's this amazing thing. Amazing plan God has for the universe to reconcile all things. Mm-hmm. And he's given us an amazing place in that plan mm-hmm. to be the ones he makes that appeal through. Yes. That he has, that he's prepared stuff for us to do, mm-hmm. personally for you to do. And he's like really, I think he's really excited about it. I don't know. When I, when I think of the things that my son will do one day, yeah. I have no idea what it's going to be. I, I just like to think. And it's like really fun to think about. <coughs> yeah. and, and I don't know. I know he's... He's going to try to find his way, and he's probably not going to figure out. It's going to take a long time for him to figure it out. He's going to do really bad at things for a really long time. Like, that's okay, too. That doesn't stop me from being excited about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think probably, I, I am, you know, maybe I'm making a leap here, but probably God views it the same way. He's like, no, God, I'm just excited for you to do stuff. Yeah. Yes. Just excited for you to, I, I'm excited for you to, to have vision for your life. I'm excited. Yeah. For you to act on that vision. I'm excited to see how 
my spirit transforms you to, to do that vision. I'm excited to see who that person becomes one day. Like I'm excited to, it's like he knows, but like he's, I think, still excited to see that happen here in real time. So let's not forget the big picture. That was an amazing plan to reconcile things to himself. He's designed the church to be the fullness of Jesus, to fill everything in every way. He's prepared good works in advance for us to do. And always, let's continue to pray for the Holy Spirit to open up our eyes to these things. Amen. Pray for the Spirit to inspire us with these things, to transform us in these things. Pray for the Spirit that we, Paul would say, Timothy, Timothy, it's like the Spirit of God, you know, that God has given you is one of boldness. Not timidity, but like a boldness. Like, what is God wanting me to be bold with in my life? Think about these things. Let's pray about them. It's like a vision for our life. Think about God. What, what, what do you want to do with my life? And then let's do it together as a family. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, love you guys. Thank you. Thank you.